Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to one of the first solo episodes that I've done in a long time. So some of you might be like, hey, yes, it's just Amanda today. No interview. I just get to hear from her. And others of you might be like, but I was really loving those interviews. So sorry, you're stuck with me today. Today, I'm kind of veering off course for what I originally had planned for the podcast solely based on what I was seeing a lot of teachers asking or sharing in my Facebook group as well as some of my summer webinars. And so if you notice the title, you noticed that I titled this Mistakes That We're Making With Our Small Group Intervention. But I have to be honest, I don't really love the word mistake. That word sounds kind of grumpy. I'm not being grumpy. I think that innately, just who we are as teachers, we are hard workers. And we are not afraid to show up and do the hard work and put in the time to make our students successful. And that's great. That's a fabulous skill. But sometimes we are sacrificing ourselves in order to make our students successful. Or we are losing our marbles because the things on our to-do list, that list is so long, it's never ending. And the things on our to-do list are literally stressing us out. I hear from so many teachers, special education specifically, who are taking medication, who are sacrificing relationships with their family, whether that be their husbands or their wives or their children, because school is taking over. And so while one podcast episode may not change everything, I do want to at least share some things that I am seeing over and over. And to be honest, I've made these mistakes myself. And we can maybe make some little changes in our lives that will help us improve those relationships. I'm not saying anything against medication. I take some myself. However, we should not be putting ourselves in this position where we're sacrificing our own mental health for our students or for our school or for our job. All of those three things are important, but we have to find balance. And so that's what I hope to kind of share with you today. What are some things that we're doing that are kind of mistakes or things that we're doing that are making our jobs harder? and less enjoyable. And that leads me to our first mistake, okay? I'm using that in air quotes. I know you're only listening and you can't see me, but there are air quotes around that word, mistakes, okay? So our first mistake is that we are not focusing on the big picture. 
and I'm guilty of this. And if you've attended any of my webinars this summer or in the past, you already know that my first few years of teaching special education were seriously a hot mess. I had no idea what I was doing. So every month or every few weeks, I would be changing gears, trying to find what my kids needed to work on. Maybe it's decoding, maybe it's sight words, maybe it's spelling, maybe it's writing, maybe it's reading comprehension. And so honestly, I was changing every time the wind blew. So if we gave an assessment and I saw they were struggling with something, I'd be like, Lord Jesus, how did I not know that they couldn't do this? And then something else would come up. Maybe it was, you know, taking a school-wide universal screener at the beginning or the middle of the end of the year. And I'd be like, oh gosh, I failed them in that area. Now I've got to start working on that. And while that's fine, I guess, I was constantly reinventing the wheel. I was constantly teaching them, okay, now this is how we're going to do this, but it's only going to last for a month, guys. And then I'm going to change it on you in another month. And then another month after that, I'll realize a different weakness. And, you know, maybe that's just your first year teacher mistakes and those things happen. But then over time, I realized all of those things are important. That's why it keeps coming up and I'm ready to poop my pants because, oh gosh, they're so horrible at this. Or there's such a giant weakness in that. And so over time, I kind of took this list of things that instead of changing every time the wind blew, it's like, okay, well, I have to do these things every day. I have to do these things all the time. And it's more about balance than changing all the time. So I see special education teachers in their resource rooms all the time who they don't have a routine. They're like me in those first few years where I'm still trying to figure it out and I don't have a routine. And so all of those things that I just listed and some are all important things that our kids need. Decoding and sight words and spelling and writing and reading fluency and comprehension and phonemic awareness and all the things are all important. And we have to find a time in 30 minutes. That's why I say we work magic because somehow we can figure out a way to do all those things in 30 minutes. And that is one thing that in my opinion leads to stress and leads to this overwhelm because all I felt those first few years of teaching was failure. I felt like no matter what I did, no matter how much we kicked butt at sight words, we were failing in three other areas, maybe more. And then we'd start kicking butt at decoding. But guess what? We were failing in five other areas. And so that is not good for your mental health. That's not good for you feeling like a kick-ass teacher. You have to find a way to balance it all so that you can meet the needs of all of your kids in your groups and touch on all of those important skills. If this is an area that you feel like you're struggling with, like, girl, I'm, I'm hearing you, but I don't know all the things I need to do. I have a webinar for that where I share 
the nine things that I do in my resource room every single day for reading or the four things that I do in my resource room every single day for math. And I can link those in the show notes for you to go and listen. That way you can kind of see step-by-step what I'm doing in my resource room every day. And so those links will actually be to replays of an old version or an old webinar that I did. And they just kind of run all the time so that then whenever you hear this or you stumble upon a link on social media or whatever, you can kind of watch it on demand. To kind of piggyback off of that, then another mistake that I see is that some of us might be provided an intervention from your school, which, hey, good for you, because a lot of us don't have that. But you might have an intervention that you're using or that you're provided And oftentimes that intervention might be only designed to target one, maybe two skills like decoding and encoding, decoding and spelling. But it's not designed to work on reading comprehension or writing or some of those other skills because it's wanting 30 to 45 minutes a day just on that one piece which I say all the time, that would be wonderful. If I had 30 to 45 minutes a day just for decoding, and then I still had time for the other things, could you imagine the magic I could make happen? But that's not reality. Instead, we have 30 minutes and we got to do it all. And so some of those interventions that are designed for 30 or 45 minutes, focusing on one kind of subset of skills, That's great, but we need more than that. Our kids need more than that. Or kind of on the flip side of that, there also might be interventions out there that really focus on reading comprehension and understanding how to answer some of those questions and things like that, which again is good. But if the students can't read the words that are in that those passages, then you could talk about comprehension all day long, but we need balance. We need both of those things. Um, The same is true with writing, a writing intervention, a spelling intervention, all the things. They're wonderful, but in 30 minutes, how do you choose which one you're going to do? So some of us might have interventions that are available to us and they're wonderful, but they may not be working on the skills that your students actually need, which means that 30 minutes of intervention could be useless to them. They already know how to decode words. It's comprehension that's the issue. Or on the flip side of that, they have excellent listening and reading comprehension, but they can't read a dang word on the page. And they need help understanding how to decode and understanding the way our English language works. That's what they need. Because then later they'll be able to understand those passages like it's nothing but not if they don't understand the words that are on the page. So we have to choose an intervention that is appropriate for them. We have to choose an intervention that actually targets the needs of the students in your group, not just whatever happens to be in the closet that you have available to you. One of the things that I always recommend for this, because a lot of teachers, especially you know, if we're newer, You're given an intervention, you're told you have to use it, and so you do, which is fine. That's wonderful. However, we may not even know what that intervention is targeted to do. So I always suggest to get a three by five card or a post-it note, scrap piece of paper, whatever, 
go to your closet, see what interventions do you have, and then start looking at, you know, and to me, that's just going to Google, what is this intervention, insert the name, designed to do? Or who would benefit from using that intervention? And with a quick Google search, you can usually see, oh, this is a decoding intervention, or this is teaching phonics, this is teaching reading comprehension, or writing, or spelling rules, or whatever. And so you have to start somewhere. And to me, that's writing down the titles of those interventions that you have, and go to the Google and see what it says it's used for. Also, we can usually on YouTube or wherever find some training or some examples of people using that intervention. Because for some of us, I did have a intervention in my closet when I first started teaching, but I didn't know how to use it. It was boxes and boxes of stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing with this. So we have to kind of be mindful of where can we find training? Because just because you have it, doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it with fidelity and with consistency and do it in the way in which it was designed. So use the internet as your tool. Take what you have, figure out how to use it from there. The last mistake is kind of for people who did not fit in the previous one, because some of us don't have interventions. I talked to a lot of special ed teachers who are like, I was basically dumped in this job and I have no idea what I'm doing. And suddenly I'm supposed to be teaching these kids how to read and addressing all their goals and I don't have anything to do it with. Some of us have nothing. And so we are searching here, there and everywhere to find something that's going to work for our students. So maybe you're using booklets like Reading A to Z or things that you found on TPT. Maybe you're using um, an old workbook that's been laying around for 20 years. We all find different things to kind of get us through. Maybe you're taking the gen ed curriculum and you're adapting it in a certain way or using the lowest leveled reader that happens to come with the reading series, whatever. We find our ways to survive, which is fine. You're doing something for your kids and you're targeting their needs. That's great. So this is not anything to, to say bad things about what we've been doing. That was me for probably five years. I was scouring the internet. I felt like I was constantly printing, cutting, and laminating, and copying the recording pages, and explaining the directions for the center, and all the things. I've been there. I've done that. But what I kept finding is I might find a TPT seller that had some really cool materials and I used them and I liked them, but my kids need like 30 or 40 weeks of that. I might've bought myself two weeks worth or, you know, that was all they had in the store. And so I used it all and I can't keep using the same leveled reader every week of school. And so that was a problem. So then that might have bought me three weeks of instruction, but now I'm like reinventing the wheel and trying to come up with something else. What other reading passages can I find? What other phonics games can I find? What else can I do? And that leads to exhaustion. That leads to being at school all the time, taking home your stack of lamination that you need to cut out. And honestly, that's exhausting. It's like you're on this never ending hamster wheel of things to do 
Because every few weeks, you've got to reinvent what you're doing because there aren't materials out there. So after several years of being on that hamster wheel and living at school all the time, I was there early, I was there late, I was there on the weekends, it was never ending. I was doing something wrong there. And so finally, I thought, and this, some of you may have already heard this from me, depending on if you've been on a Facebook Live or a webinar. I, at that time, several years ago said, you know what, I am tired of this. I am going to spend one year of what like might be hell of writing and working on this. But after this one year, I'll have this whole intervention that covers all the things and I won't have to live at school anymore. It'll be like one rough year. <laughs> Joke's on me. It has been about four years of working on this reading intervention and math intervention and spelling and all the things, but it has helped my kids grow and now I'm not living at school all the time because now I can do my reading or my math lesson plans for 10 weeks in 30 minutes or less. And that includes copies and putting it in my files and all the things. And it's been such a relief. And so that's something that I would love to share with you. And so if you wanna check out that reading intervention and grab a week of it for free so that you can kind of see, is this something that I want more weeks of? Um, then I'll link that in the show notes for you because I really think that a lot of the mistakes that we're making are coming from lack of knowledge and lack of resources. And because we're innately hard workers and we're doing some of these things without even thinking about it, we're making a lot of all these sacrifices that could be avoidable with a really good intervention. Next week, I'll be sharing an interview that I did with three special education teachers who are using the reading intervention in their resource room so that you can kind of hear what they do that maybe I don't do. And again, you know me, I love getting ideas from others. And there are definitely ideas that these teachers gave me that I'm like, ooh, I gotta steal that. So I can't wait to share that with you next week. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.